Well, hello, Mountain Boy. It's good to be with you. My name is Ethan Magnus. I'm one of the pastors here. I love that bumper. It just makes me happy and smile. It makes me want to dance, but I won't do that to you, so we're good. You're safe. It's all right. If you're a guest with us today, boy, just a special welcome to you. We're glad you're here. Uh, I want to say a special hello to our friends over at the Bel Air and Edgewood campuses. Glad they're worshiping with us this morning. Uh, This summer, we're going through, like the bumper says, Crazy Eights. Uh, We're looking at these eight words of blessing that Jesus gave right at the beginning of a sermon that he delivered up on the mountainside. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, just so we'll know which sermon we're talking about. But it's these eight words of blessing, and we've just been looking at them all summer long. I was thinking last week as I was uh, in worship listening to Jared preach on the blessed are the meek passage that we looked at last week, I was just thinking about how different a list of blessings would sound if kind of our culture were to create a list of blessings. Or probably even if I or you were to just kind of on our own natural instincts create a list of blessings. Uh, We would say things like, you know, blessed are the rich for they have already inherited the earth, right? Or uh, we would say, blessed are the healthy, because they can go where they want to go and do what they want to do and take care of themselves. Blessed are those with a stable family. Blessed are those who are comfortable or lucky or entertained or happy or relaxed. On a hot day like today, we might say, blessed are those who are down at the ocean while we're stuck here. You know, maybe that's what our blessings would look like. And and this notion of blessing as being attached to our present positive circumstance, it actually gets picked up in our culture by some of the influential teachers of our culture. In fact, I'm sometimes frustrated to notice that even teachers who would claim to teach on behalf of Christ kind of pick up this notion. And basically you find them saying in books and on television that if your present is pleasant, then you're blessed. And it's into this context, the context of the natural inclinations of what we kind of think is blessing, and even into the context of some teachers claiming to speak on behalf of God, saying that the pleasant present is what counts as blessing. Into that context, Jesus goes up onto a mountain so that everybody can hear. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed even are those who are persecuted on account of me. And I think about kind of what our world and what even we might say counts as blessing and what jesus says is blessing and i just i just observe there is basically no compatibility between these two categories i mean you 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 can't get them to overlap and work together and it it makes me think that somebody here must be crazy right i mean either i suppose it could be us that we're crazy and Jesus has tapped into some fundamental truth of the universe. But it sort of feels like Jesus is the one who's crazy here, doesn't it? I mean, really? Did you listen to that list of blessings? So in this series, what we're doing in the midst of our pleasant summers, 
is taking the risk to pay attention to the crazy blessings of Jesus and see what truth might lie behind them that perhaps we would have missed. This week we're looking at the fourth one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I wonder how that strikes you. That talk of hunger and thirst. I mean, have you been hungry? I mean, I feel like I've been hungry, right? I mean, I was 17 once. Like, aren't all 17-year-olds hungry all the time, right? Like, I've skipped lunch. I know what hunger feels like, you know? But, you know, we know that's not what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was talking about real hunger. When we talk about the hungry, we don't mean people who just skipped lunch. We mean people who haven't eaten for days and have no clear idea of where their next meal might come from. People whose lives begin to hang in the balance over whether or not they find something to eat. Jesus says, blessed are the hungry. And thirsty? Now, I've been closer to real thirst, I think. I passed out at my own wedding reception because we had an outdoor wedding. It had been a hot day. We got up early. We had to set up chairs and stuff all day, all morning. It was a day like this, you know, 90 plus degrees, totally humid. And then, of course, we had, I had to put on this wool suit and stand there outside. And we had a wedding rehearsal the same day as the wedding. So I'm standing outside in the sun for like three hours prepping for this thing. And we had like 200 and some people come and so we had to do the receiving line thing because this is the south and in the south you still do a receiving line you know and so we're shaking all these people's hands and I don't know these people but they know my parents so you got to be nice to all these people as they file by you know and then we had an outdoor wedding reception too so we had to drive over there and I'm still wearing my suit and we're setting up tables for that and getting the barbecue going and stuff like that and boom I was just gone I hadn't eaten a thing all day. I hadn't drunk a thing all day. I was thirsty. And that's pretty close to the real thing. Although even then, even then, three buddies picked me up, carried me down to a cool basement. Within seconds, they had a cool glass of water in my hand and I was sipping water. 30 minutes later, I've drunk two glasses of water. I've gotten my body cooled back down and I'm back outside having fun at the party. Even then, I'm not sure that's what Jesus meant by thirsty, you know? Jesus meant that thing where your lips start to chip and flake and bleed a little bit and your tongue swells up and your throat goes dry and your skin goes leathery because you haven't had enough to drink for days. And there's no clear sense of when you'll get enough to drink. Hunger and thirst, he says. Blessed are you. Hungry people do crazy things. You know this, right? You know hungry people do crazy things? I was hiking one time with a bunch of buddies. Uh, we were going about three days out. It was a fun hike, relatively, uh, relatively remote area we were hiking in. And the, the second day, we noticed that uh, you know, when you'd go around a big curve in the mountain or you'd be on a ridge, we saw there was another guy hiking probably a half mile ahead of us, and we knew we'd probably catch him because there was only really one place to, ca- to camp on this trail, and we were probably going to camp 
where he did that night. So we were looking forward to meeting this guy. Along this trail, there was a place where the trail dips down and crosses a road. And there was a picnic area, a relatively popular picnic area at this crossing. We come around the curve of the trail to this picnic area. It's not long before evening. We're not far from camp. And we come around the trail, and there's one of these big trash cans. And our hiker friend that we had seen ahead of us is waist deep, upside down in this trash can, digging around for food. He uh, heard us coming and poked his head out, and you could see a little bit of shame there that here he was digging in this trash can for food. But it didn't stop him. His head went right back in because he was hungry. He'd been out on the trail for several days. He'd misjudged how much food he should bring and where he would be able to restock. He thought there was a grocery store at a place where there wasn't one anymore. It had closed. And he'd been hiking a full day now, miles with a full pack, with nothing to eat for more than 24 hours. This dude was getting hungry. Hungry people do crazy things. Now, we were camping the same place he was, and we were a bunch of people with too much food on our backs, so we had food to share, and he didn't have to eat what he dug out of that trash can. But if we hadn't been there, he would have, because hungry people do crazy things. And Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. But not just any hunger and thirst. Not just any starving need. It's the starving need for righteousness, he says, that is in fact an experience of blessing. Now this righteousness, it's a curious word. There are some words in the Bible that just take a little extra work for us to really get them, to really get what's going on. Because uh, see, the Bible isn't written in English, and so every once in a while you come to a word that in Greek it's just a little bit bigger than any one word in English. And this is one of these words, the word that's here translated righteousness. The, the word in Greek denotes the concept of things being set right, of stuff being the way it's supposed to be. And so it's often used about a person. We would say that person is righteous when they do the right thing. It's used about God this way. God acts in righteousness, the Bible says, all over the place, because God does the right thing. But this same word is also, it's the wonderful word used to describe what our relationship with God is like because of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It says that that relationship is set right. Now when we translate this in English, we invent this great big word, we invent the word justification, which is a great word, but it just means that we have been set right with God. Our relationship with God has been established the way it is meant to be. We've been declared not guilty in the right in a legal sense. But this same word, this in the right word, set right word, also gets used by scripture to describe the whole world. When that happens, our English Bibles, usually good translation, they usually translate it justice. So Jesus will establish justice for the nations. It just means Jesus will establish things to work right. Things will be the way they ought to be in the world. There will be justice. And so all of this, all this great big sense of personal righteousness, relational rightness, and 
global, societal justice, all this is wrapped up in this one word. And Jesus says, Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for things to be set right, for you will be filled. And I don't know, but I expect some of you here today, you know what that hunger feels like. You know what it feels like to be hungry and thirsty for things to be set right. We are hungry for righteousness in our lives and we desire to be filled. This is the hunger that drives an addict to finally, for the first time, walk into a meeting and tell the truth about what's going on into their lives because they are hungry for things to be set right. They have a starving need to never go back to the way things were. This is the hunger that makes a person who for five years or 15 years attends the same small group and every time somebody asks, how are you doing? They say, fine, I'm fine, you're fine, we're fine. Everybody's fine, right? Everybody fine? And then one day, they burst out with the truth, I am not fine. And don't make me say it ever again because I am hungry to be set right. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you hunger for things to be set right. This is the hunger, you know. This is the hunger that leads a person, the hunger for things to be set right between them and God. This is the hunger that leads a person after weeks of sitting here in service and wondering if it was possible for them to have a relationship that was set right with God. This is the hunger that leaves them when everybody else files out the doors. They walk up here and meet the people that stand ready to pray with you every single week. And they come and say, I am hungry. I'm hungrier for God than I am for Cracker Barrel. So I'll be the last one to lunch. But I want my hunger for God satisfied. I'm thirstier for the spirit of life than I am for a diet soda. So would somebody please introduce me to the set right love of God. Maybe that's how hungry you are today. And this is the hunger. This is the hunger that leads people to see where our world isn't set right and, and leave their comfortable lives and go to Africa and dig wells for people who are dying of thirst because that's not right. It's the hunger, in, in the best of cases, it's this hunger, the hunger for the world to be set right that leads people to risk their lives as part of our law enforcement and military communities because they want the world to be set right. Now, I think if we're fair, we've got to realize this is also the hunger that leads a young person in our cities to lash out in a riot because they know things are not right. And we can pretend like they are all we want, but they aren't. And so they don't know what else to do, but they are hungry for things to be set right, so they throw a stone and join a riot. We know this hunger. 
You brought this hunger with you today. A hunger for your life to be set right. A hunger for your relationship with God to be set right. And so many, if you just open your eyes, how can you help but be hungry that our world would know justice, that our world would be set right? Just this week, we have soldiers dying in Chattanooga. And just a couple weeks ago, we have worshipers dying in Charleston. A woman named Sandra dies in a jail, and we don't know what happened, but you look at that situation and you just know something isn't right, and we want, we hunger, we thirst with a starving need for things to be set right. And Jesus says, Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst with a starving need for things to be set right. But if he were here and we were having a conversation, I think we might want to say to him, well, it does not feel like a blessing. Let's just be clear about that. It doesn't feel like a blessing to be hungry like that. It doesn't feel like a blessing to be thirsty like that. You know what it feels like to be hungry, right? Your stomach is so tight and tied up in knots you can't sleep. You know what it it feels like to be thirsty is your throat is so dry that to breathe itself gives you pain that you can barely imagine. It doesn't feel like a blessing. So I mean, he can stand on the mountain if he wants to and tell us it's a blessing, but it doesn't feel like a blessing. I read a novel once that included a character who was starving to death. And as the hunger pains got worse and worse, the novel described this character began to eat rocks and sand. Because at least that made their stomach full and the pain went away. This character was later rescued. But by that point, even though they now had access to food, they had eaten so much rock and sand, they couldn't digest the food that their rescuers brought. Now, that was just a novel. It was fiction. But it made me wonder. And so I read about it. And that's real. People all over our world are eating the rocks so their hunger pain goes away. It's a real thing that hungry people really do. And maybe you've read about sailors in the early days of sailing, if they would run out of fresh water, if they were undisciplined, their thirst would overcome them, and so they would begin to drink the salt water out of the sea. And in the moment, their thirst was quenched. But what they discovered was they were actually making themselves die of thirst all the faster by drinking the seawater. This is what hungry people do sometimes. Sometimes when the hunger for righteousness and the hunger for justice get too much, we decide to eat the sand and drink the salt water instead. When the hunger for the moral life we know we want for ourselves gets too much for us, we eat the sand and just decide forget it and pursue immorality because at least then we won't feel the hunger pain quite so much. When the hunger for a relationship with God gets painful enough, rather than letting the pain drive us to God Himself, we mask it by drinking the salt water 
And we try religion instead, you know, all kinds of religions, or even just try Christianity, you know, go to church a whole bunch, do all the right thing a whole bunch, and hope that somehow that'll make up for what we need, which is a restored relationship with God through the grace of Jesus Christ. We take our hunger for our world to be set right, and we satiate it with the sand of revenge and the salt water of dominion. There is no justice in that, but at least now we're the ones on top and they're the ones who are oppressed. I read an article written by some nutritionist. I don't do that a lot, as you can tell. But anyways, I did this one time, read an article by this nutritionist. And they were saying that it's possible to starve to death and overeat all at the same time. Then if your eating is so focused on junk food, which doesn't contain the core nutrients you need to live, your brain, which knows it's not getting those nutrients, will get you to keep eating. But you keep eating junk food, and so you starve to death, not for lack of food, just because the nutrients that you need to live aren't there. Now, they didn't actually have a picture of me in this article, which I appreciated, um, but I'm not a poster child for healthy eating. That's not what this sermon's about. But I got thinking about that, and I got realizing that's what we do in our spiritual lives all the time. We let our hunger for righteousness instead drive us to things that do not satisfy. Isaiah chapter 55, you go check it out sometime on your own. It, we won't have time to read it today, but Isaiah comes to a people and he says, You are buying bread that is not bread. And you are spending your money on food that can never satisfy. What he's talking about is our habit to instead of letting our healthy hunger drive us to healthy food, we satiate it, we satisfy our hunger in ways that ease the pain, but do not meet our starving need. Jesus says, blessed are you when you're hungry. And the hungry man says, you're crazy because my hunger does not feel like blessing. Jesus says, blessed are you when you are parched with thirst. And the thirsty woman says, you are crazy because my thirst does not feel like blessing. It feels like a curse. And here's the truth. If blessing comes when our present is pleasant then they're right. Hunger and thirst are a curse. If blessing comes when our present is pleasant, then they are right. But Jesus, see, He went up on this mountain so everybody would hear. And He said, Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew that when you are hungry for righteousness, when you thirst for justice, that hunger and that thirst will align you with the will and purpose of God for your life. There's this one time some people came to a prophet named Micah, and they said to Micah, okay, so we want to worship God really well. I mean, we want to worship God awesome. So you're a prophet. Could you tell us how, what's the best way we can worship God? So like we're thinking we could kill a hundred rams. That'd be pretty good, right? 
Or maybe we're thinking we could pour out a thousand barrels of oil. Then now that'd be some impressive. And they're like, what do you think, Micah? And Micah answers them. And he says this. He has shown you, as in you already know, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He says, you already know what to do. Act justly. Hunger for righteousness. Work that the world would be set to right. Jesus does the same thing. Jesus does the same thing. He says, later in the same sermon, the one he preached up on the mountain so everyone could hear, he says this, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, quit asking, will my present be pleasant? What will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? Quit asking all that. Instead, get hungry for righteousness and let your hunger drive you to seek righteousness alone and I'll take care of everything else. And it isn't just that. It isn't just that when you're hungry for righteousness, you are drawn into alignment with the will and purposes of God. It also turns out that the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness finds themselves drawn to the right end of history. Finds themselves drawn to the right end of history. You know, history is a crazy thing. I don't know if you've studied history. There is a lot of history to study. Some people argue that history goes back as much as 100 years. Some people say more. But, like, there's a lot of history, okay? And it's crazy. History is crazy. History is chaotic. It's up and it's down. Civilizations rise and they fall. There'll be a period where justice seems to reign and then oppression will replace it. There'll be a civilization, there'll be a culture that seems to value morality and then they're replaced or they degrade into one that values immorality. History is a crazy mess. And yet, God's Word is pretty clear that in the midst of this chaos, there is one clear, fixed point of history to which all of history turns. And that is its end. When God establishes justice in all the nations and righteousness in all creation. This isn't a subtle theme of God's Word. It's all over the place from beginning to end. Every prophet who ever got the the strength to speak up for God reminds us of this truth. We could look at a hundred, perhaps a thousand texts to remind us. I just want you to listen to one. 
Isaiah chapter 42, he's speaking of the work of Christ when he says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. That's the symbol for the oppressed. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. Even the islands, even the islands, the far off islands will put hope, put their hope in him. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all the springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those in darkness. You see, here's the thing. There is one good time to be hungry. There is one excellent moment to be practically starving. That's the moment that the feast begins. You know this, don't you? You've done this thing. You get invited to somebody's house. They invite you for 7 o'clock, so you can't tell if there's going to be food or not. Listen, if you invite somebody at 7 o'clock, just tell them if there's going to be food. That's a confusing time, all right? We get it. If you invite me at 5.30, there'll be food. But 7 o'clock, how am I supposed to know, you know? Right? Okay. So they invite you at 7 o'clock, and you're not sure, so you stop by some fast food joint, buy the worst, greasiest hamburger you've ever eaten, and cold fries, and you show up kind of stuffed and bloated, and you walk into the house, and there's not food there's food and it's amazing it stretches through the living room and across the dining room and you think to yourself if only I'd known I wouldn't have eaten and you're going to eat anyway but only one plate worth I mean listen if you showed up hungry you could have loaded yourself from fingertips to shoulders right if only you'd known well the prophets of God are saying you know There is a feast of righteousness coming, so work yourself up an appetite. Don't spoil it on rocks and salt water. Because the end of history, the anchor of history to which all the ups and downs turns is that moment when God establishes righteousness for all. So let's get hungry and thirsty for that. Our world's pretty clear. You're blessed when the present is pleasant. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You are blessed when your faith is in the future. All the Beatitudes work just like that, don't they? Blessed are you, and then it describes some situation, which, let's just face it, is not blessing. For you will 
And then it describes the action of God that overturns our expectation and turns the present into a moment that anticipates a future that makes us forget about the present. Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for things to be set right with a starving need and nothing else can satisfy it because in that moment you are aligned with will of God and you find yourself on the right side of history's end. So I'm curious, what do you plan to do about that? Some of you came today hungry. You didn't even know it. You weren't sure what that gnawing feeling, that gut-tightening feeling was. You thought it was something else. Maybe if you just munch on a little bit of sand, it'll go away. Some of you came today hungry, for righteousness in your life, for your life to be set right. Some of you came today hungry for your relationship with God to be set right. Some of you came today hungry for there to be real justice in this world. And if you showed up hungry today, don't spoil that appetite, for blessed are those who hunger and thirst for things to be set right. Let that appetite drive you to God and drive you to righteousness and drive you to be an agent of justice in our world. But some of you, some of you ate rocks on the way. Some of you drank salt water right before you came in just so you would be as unhungry as possible. So I just want to challenge you. I think it might be time for you to work up an appetite might be time for you to cultivate some hunger for righteousness in your life. I don't know, what is that area of your life that you know is just not where it needs to be? It just isn't right. Everybody else can see it and you can see it, but you just won't admit it to yourself. Could you get hungry enough for some rightness in your life that you might actually do something? In this same sermon, the one he preached on the mountaintop so that everybody would hear it, Jesus says this, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. First time I ever heard that text taught on, I raised my hand and I asked, Does that really mean Jesus wants us to cut our hands off? And every time I have ever taught on that text, Somebody else has raised their hand and said, does that really mean Jesus wants us to cut our hands off? Well, so maybe you've got that question. Here's the answer. No, he doesn't want you to cut your hands off. He says, if your right hand causes you to sin, but it isn't your hands that cause you to sin. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, but your eyes don't cause you to stumble. What Jesus wants you to do is to get hungry enough for righteousness that you might actually figure out what does cause you to sin. And you might cut that out. So if the internet causes you to sin, libraries still exist. So do newspapers. If your relationships are causing you to sin, if your friendships are causing you to sin, if your lovers are causing you to sin, well, get some new friends and break up with your lover. If your work is causing you to sin, leading you to lie and cheat to get ahead, if your greed is causing you to sin, then are you hungry enough for your life to be set right? that you might do something about it? Or do you just need another helping of sand so the pain of your hunger for righteousness goes away? 
What about your relationship with God? Do you want God enough to do something about it? I've been, I have stood in the place where I was hungry for God, but not hungry enough to pray daily. How hungry was I? How much sand was I eating to keep the pain of my longing for God away from me? Maybe you're hungry for God today, and today's the day. At the end of the service, you're just going to come up and ask somebody to pray. You're going to say, I'm finally going to admit that I'm hungry enough for God. Maybe what you need to work up an appetite for, though, is to work up an appetite for justice. Maybe you need to work up a hunger and a thirst for our world to be set right. So much of what we do as a church is motivated by that hunger. This is why we sponsor children all over the world because we hunger and thirst for the world to be set right. And when children starve, that is not the world set right. This is why we built the Epicenter and sponsor wonderful programs like Camp Epic. We've got 100 kids in summer camp down there. Because these are our neighborhoods and our families and our friends and our world is not set right and we're going to do what we can because we are hungry for righteousness and we are dying of thirst lest things be set right. This is why we have Celebrate Recovery every Friday night because we hunger and thirst for our lives to be set right and we know that we are starving without it. This is why we have marriage recovery ministries and opportunities for friendships to learn how to be friends. Here, listen, so many people are in relationships where they are starving to death for things to be set right. And I don't worry about the ones who know it. Because hungry people do crazy things. Hungry people do embarrassing things. Hungry people go get counseling. Hungry people go ask for help. Hungry people pray together. Hungry people join a group. Hungry people admit their weaknesses and admit they want something more and they want to be satisfied by the righteousness of God alone. What I'm worried about are all these relationships, friendships and marriages and families where we aren't hungry enough for them to be set right. And we eat more sand and pass the salt water around as we try to curb our appetites and setting lot and God grow our appetite for things to be set right. So I'm just curious. What is the sin that it's time for you to confess because you are hungry for things to be set right? What is the relationship that it's time for you to deal with and get help with because you are hungry for things to be set right. When is it that you'll be hungry enough to know that God loves you, that you'll approach God and receive God's forgiveness? When might you be Hungry enough for justice in our world that you wouldn't just let that hunger die, but you would let that hunger inspire you to act to bring justice to our community, our nation, our globe. Because blessed are you when you hunger and thirst with a starving need for things to be set right. Blessed are you for you will be filled because you have believed the word of the prophets that a feast of righteousness is coming that there is one fixed point in the path of history and you're hungry for it to arrive 
Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. Because it is that hunger and that thirst that will draw you into alignment with the will and purposes of God for your life. So don't, don't spoil your appetite. Stay hungry for the feast of righteousness in your life, of a right relationship with God and of justice in our world. Stay hungry for the feast. Never eat sand again. Never touch a drop of salt water until that day that the water of life springs forth and quenches our thirst together. And the righteousness of God is bread for all of us. Right now, join me. And make that our prayer. Oh Lord God, make us hungry. Hungry that we might be transformed into the likeness of your righteousness. Hungry that we might work for the world to be set right. Break our hearts, God, for that which breaks yours that we might be motivated, thirsty for a righteousness in our lives that can be quenched by nothing else. Hungry, God, for a justice in this world with a hunger that will not be satisfied until Your reign has been established forever and the hungry are fed and the poor enriched and the broken restored and the feast has begun. In the name of Jesus the righteous one, we pray. Amen.